from Alaska Public Media, this is State of Art. Welcome to the Weekend and to State of Art, your weekly dose of Anchorage Arts and Culture. I'm Ammon Swenson. Coming up, I speak with 23rd Poet Laureate of the United States, Joy Harjo. She's the first Native American to hold the position and was in the role from 2019 to this year. She'll be appearing at the Anchorage Museum this Sunday for an evening of poetry and music. Harjo tells me that she's no stranger to Alaska. And there are some times in my life where I'm up there three, four times a year. And on my first time I was there, I think it was in the 1980s, and I was brought in by Alaska Native Native Arts Group and toured, went from, um, I went everywhere from Anchorage, Fairbanks, Kotzebue, Nome, Barrow, and I've been back and forth. I've performed frequently at the Alaska Native Heritage Center. Yeah, that was kind of my home place for a while. I've been there many times. I have good friends up there that I stay in touch with. Well, let's talk about your experience as a Poet Laureate really quick. I mean, definitely some landmarks. I mean, the 23rd Poet Laureate, I believe, first Native American. Could you maybe kind of, you know, briefly talk about what, what that experience was like? It's been amazing. I didn't realize how heavy the load was really until it was finally announced that Ada Lemon was the new Poet Laureate. And then it was like I had to take a couple of days just to say, okay, good. You know, I didn't realize the weight of it. But it, it was, it was, it's been wonderful. It's certainly, I mean, because of, for years I've been traveling about and, and meeting people. So it was very similar, but what was, what was really important for me about this was that it was huge for Indian country, what we call Indian country for native peoples. And it was just, you know, a, a doorway opened, I think. You know, I read a quote from you saying that, you know, if nothing else, you'd like your work to help Native peoples be seen as human beings. Can you maybe talk a little bit more about that and maybe how you've kind of worked to accomplish that goal, either, you know, prior to uh, being Poet Laureate or maybe during your term or, you know, into the future? Well, I think we all, every, <laughs> every one of us has had that in mind in some way or the other, but I came to that when I was an undergrad student at University of New Mexico, heavily involved with the Native Student Club and, you know, working for Native rights, social justice. And I, it was at, at that point, I was in the midst of being a, a BFA in studio art major and then just going into poetry and was beginning to see how, how the power of making art and, and new images, how necessary that was, especially, you know, whether it was in poetry or in painting or drawing or photography, because what the country knows about us is so much of it is based on false images or fake images mm. or false constructs and that's so that the poet laureateship became a huge you know it really helped I think it really helped us because now you know it's like oh well there are native poets well you're have to be a human being to be a poet (laughs) well let's talk about the poetry anthology you were maybe lead editor on with the when the light of the world was subdued our songs came through And I see that, you know, it includes many poets representing many different indigenous groups. Can you maybe kind of talk about some of the the diversity of the regions and of the poets that were included? I know you mentioned that there were some Alaska poets as well. Yeah, that anthology, I'd had that in mind for some time. And my editor said, you know, why don't you think about doing this anthology that we need an anthology of, you know, an anthology of Native poetry. But I had, you know, I wanted to do 
a book of native, there's never been like a major press anthology of native literature that includes poetry, plays, you know, mm. stories and so on. But they said, no, we want one, a poetry anthology. And I'd been kind of putting it off, but I was in my last year of teaching at University of Tennessee, Knoxville. I looked around, I saw, okay, I have a lot of help here, <laughs> a lot of help and resources, <laughs> and made a class of it, made a couple of classes where the students learned about Native literature and had, I made, appointed all of, all of our editors, I made the decision when I started out with this, that all of the editors were going to be Native. I mean, certainly I know a, a lot of literary people, a lot of professors, Native and non-Native, who would be excellent, you know, being editors for that anthology. But it was important to keep, you know, to have Native poets edit it themselves. So we had, this was before before Zoom on Skype, mm -hmm. we would have, we decided to divide it into geographical areas. I mean, it's it's complex. It's complex, as you know, to do any, you know, North American Native thing because there are so many different cultures and and peoples. But mm. it seemed like the best way was to was to arrange it not chronologically but by geographical era area. And I think you know we began to see as we edited, and each each area had its own group of of editors. But it was interesting when it was all finally put together. When you read through the areas. You can you really get a sense one of place, and you get a sense of really how how and when colonization hit. Mm. Almost even which missionaries or which church were, which domination denominations were assigned in different areas by the liter by the poetry. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting how how you know what what we learned from that too. Did you find that maybe, you know, obviously you kind of want to expose people to indigenous writers, their artwork, stuff like that, and kind of maybe change some of their outlooks. Did you find that maybe after working on this collection, did, did you change at all or maybe have a, a better understanding for uh, the work that you were compiling? Oh, I think so. I think when you go into any project, part of it is to gain knowledge and understanding in a way that you didn't before. I often taught classes. I would choose to teach a class and teach something I wanted to study, not something I was an, a quote unquote expert on, mm, yeah. <laughs> but, but just to gain, you know, to gain, um, discover and move about. So yes, of course, I learned about poets and writers I didn't know about because all the editors were bringing in, and the students too, they were researching and also bringing in writers and historically too, people I didn't know about. That anthology could have been two or three volumes. And the sad part, we did, we had to cut. We were given, first the editor, the editor at Norton gave us 300 pages. And it's like, you know, that's not gonna hold it. We wound up with 400, but what do you do with a, you know, if you have a historical, you wanna write, you know, from, you know, the earliest works and written in English or some translations, we have some translations to, um, to now. And then with all of the different, you know, you think of how many tribal nations, federally recognized tribal nations we have and how many legitimate state recognized or legitimate, you know, and that's a lot of people and yeah. a lot of poems and a lot of history. So we, you know, we really had to, it was difficult editing down to 400 pages. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. 
you also have a new book that I believe it just came out, actually, Catching the Light. Today. Yeah. So yes, that's out today. Brand new book. Um, it sounds like it's more of a personal reflection, maybe on your relationship with poetry. Can you maybe talk a little bit about this book that just came out? Well, it's part of Yale, the Yale series, Why I Write, and it's related to the, it's actually my Wyndham Campbell Prize lecture. Uh, when they give out those prizes, they ask someone to uh, lecture, and then they ask you to extend the lecture and turn it into a book. Mm. Well, I decided to do the hard part first, so I went <laughs> to book first and then extracted the lecture from it. And I, because it's been 50 years, you know, since my first poems were published, I wrote it in 50 sections. Also, it was, it helped me. Writing it in 50 sections helped me, it, you know, it helped me with writing it. I was on the road and involved in two major taping projects, filming projects and et cetera, et cetera. So I would write backstage, write on airplanes and so on. But it's basically, you're given the what you're, you're told to write. It's called Why I Write. So it's, they're kind of, they call them, them lyrical meditations about writing poetry and mm. So that's basically what it is. I guess you, I guess I'll use that now. Lyrical meditations. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then it looks like it seems like you've been busy. I mean, it seems like there's another uh, a collection of your own poems coming out next month as well. Is that correct? Weaving sundown yes, in a scarlet light. Fifty poems for fifty years. So, yes, this year is fifty years since I published my first poems, and yes, that will be out November first from W. W. Norton. So what was maybe the experience, you know, you've gone back and poured through tons of, you know, other people's poems and stuff like that to compile, you know, this anthology of other people's work. What was the experience maybe like going back through your uh, old work and maybe seeing it from different eyes? I don't know if I, I guess I can, well, I can certainly, yeah, I can look at my old work with different eyes now for sure. I don't know. It's hard to say. I guess it's someone's relationship to their work, you know, like anything, it changes and it shifts. I mean, and, I, f uh, I feel like sometimes you can go back and I'll look at an old thing that I did and, you know, at the time probably was like, eh, that was okay, whatever. And then go back and kind of, you know, sometimes I get a little bit more out of it returning to something than maybe, you know, immediately after it was made. Did you maybe find uh, maybe some encouragement in, a, in your younger self about what you were putting out then? Well, I think it that I've been that I'm still doing this is one thing, and I keep moving yeah. because I keep finding new. It's still this journey still intrigues me. Yeah. So to have it kind of, I don't know. I haven't really. It, it would make sense. I better get my answer together, since I'm going to be doing more <laughs> interviews <laughs> about this, and that's a really good question about what it feels like. And I think for me. I tend to, it takes me a while, and I don't know why I do that. I'm just wired that way, where if I do something or I hear about something, and whether it's exciting or traumatic, I don't, I just hold it for a while mm. and just let it sit for a while, and then I, and then I'm there. It's like catching the light. Its birthday is today, and it's like, okay, uh, what do I feel about it? I'm excited, of course. You know, there it's it's to get a book published is real is still really something, and then to have a collection published after fifty years when you think think about it, think about being a young native woman going to school full time, working with two you know single mother with two kids, 
who had been a teenage mother. I was 22, though, when my daughter was born, but still I was this, when she was born, I was going to school. And, mm-hmm. and, and then becoming the this decision to become a poet, which wasn't an easy decision, but it was, I could not turn back. And what is the, you know, what did that mean to be a poet, you know, a poet? And, you know, most natives, when we go to school, we came from, we were often first generation, and you go to school because, you know, you need to make a living. And, and to make a living, it was seen more important to be in the medical field or field or the educational field, places where we needed people, lawyers. A lot of people went to law school because we need those people back home. And what use is a poet? You see what I mean? It was a big, yeah. you know, 50 years ago to say, okay, I think, you know, this poetry, it's, I don't think I chose it. I think it chose me and I went along with it. That was my conversation with 23rd Poet Laureate of the United States, Joy Harjo. She'll be appearing at the Anchorage Museum this Sunday from 6.30 to 7.30 p.m. In-person tickets are sold out, but you can live stream the event by going to anchoragemuseum.org. And that's all the time we have for you today. For links and more content, you can head to the State of Art page on alaskapublic.org. I'm Ammon Swenson. Thanks for listening. State of Art is a production of Alaska Public Media, which is solely responsible for its content. The views expressed are those of the hosts and participants and do not reflect KSKA or its underwriters. Theme music is Spring Breakup by Termination Dust. Get in touch with the host by sending an email to soa at alaskapublic.org.